and men were even lying on pallets on the floor. There was a desperate, crowded dreariness and helplessness in the place, as if nobody wanted to make a sound or utter a word. Many of the men were haggard and unshaven. One was delirious and talking fitfully in the Saxon dialect. It went to Lady Beveridge's heart. She had been educated in Dresden and had had many dear friendships in the city. Her children also had been educated there. She heard the Saxon dialect with pain. She was a little, frail, bird-like woman, elegant, but with that touch of the blue stocking of the nineties which was unmistakable. She fluttered delicately from bed to bed, speaking in perfect German but with a thin English intonation, and always asking if there was anything she could do. The men were mostly officers and gentlemen. They made little requests which she wrote down in a book. Her long, pale, rather worn face and her nervous little gestures somehow inspired confidence. One man lay quite still, with his eyes shut. He had a black beard. His face was rather small and sallow. He might be dead. Lady Beveridge looked at him earnestly, and fear came into her face. Why, Count Dionys, she said, fluttered. Are you asleep? It was Count Johann Dionys Psanik, a bohemian. She had known him when he was a boy, and only in the spring of 1914 he and his wife had stayed with Lady Beveridge in her country house in Leicestershire. His black eyes opened. Large, black, unseeing eyes with curved black lashes. He was a small man, small as a boy, and his face too was rather small. But all the lines were fine, as if they had been fired with a keen male energy. Now the yellowish, swarthy paste of his flesh seemed dead, and the fine black brows seemed drawn on the face of one dead. The eyes, however, were alive, but only just alive, unseeing and unknowing. "'You know me, Count Dionys. You know me, don't you?' said Lady Beveridge, bending forward over the bed. There was no reply for some time. Then the black eyes gathered a look of recognition, and there came the ghost of a polite smile. Lady Beveridge. The lips formed the words. There was practically no sound. I am so glad you can recognize me, and I am so sorry you are hurt. I am so sorry. The black eyes watched her from that terrible remoteness of death, without changing. There is nothing I can do for you. Nothing at all, she said, always speaking German. And after a time, and from a distance, came the answer from his eyes, a look of weariness, of refusal, and a wish to be left alone. He was unable to strain himself into consciousness. His eyelids dropped. I am so sorry, she said. If ever there is anything I can do. The eyes opened again, looking at her. He seemed at last to hear and it was as if his eyes made the last weary gesture of a polite bow. Then slowly his eyelids closed again. Poor Lady Beveridge felt another sword thrust of sorrow in her heart as she stood looking down at the motionless face and at the fine black beard. The black hairs came out of his skin, thin and fine, not very close together. A queer, dark, aboriginal little face he had, with a fine nose. Not an Aryan, surely. And he was going to die. He had a bullet through the upper part of his chest and another bullet had broken one of his ribs. 
He had been in hospital five days. Lady Beveridge asked the matron to ring her up if anything happened. Then she drove away, saddened. Instead of going to Beveridge House, she went to her daughter's flat near the park, near Hyde Park. Lady Daphne was poor. She had married a commoner, son of one of the most famous politicians in England, but a man with no money. And Earl Beveridge had wasted most of the large fortune that had come to him, so that the daughter had very little, comparatively. Lady Beveridge suffered going in the narrow doorway into the rather ugly flat. Lady Daphne was sitting by the electric fire in the small yellow drawing room, talking to a visitor. She rose at once, seeing her little mother. Why, mother, ought you to be out? I'm sure not. Yes, Daphne, darling, of course I ought to be out. How are you? The daughter's voice was slow and sonorous, protective, sad. Lady Daphne was...